0: Let's turn to Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 8 and 9. Paul writes here and he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, uh, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. May God bless to us this reading from His holy word. So, I have a question for you Are you an Isle of Lewis deer or an Isle of Lewis bunny rabbit? Are you a deer or a bunny rabbit? Oh, I guess you need to know what that is, the difference between the two, right? Okay. So we, we happen to encounter a lot of deer and a lot of bunny rabbits. Thankfully, I don't think we encountered any of them with our vehicle. But you notice this about uh, the Isle of Lewis deer. Uh, I, I could probably add a third category. Hey, let's do that. We could say, are you an Isle of Lewis deer, an Isle of Lewis bunny rabbit, or an Isle of Lewis sheep? There you go, you got three. An Isle of Lewis deer, an Isle of Lewis bunny rabbit, and an Isle of Lewis sheep. Okay, so the Isle of Lewis deer, and there were a lot of deer who were driving home, and the deer are kind of interesting there because when they come up to the road, they're very careful. They don't necessarily look both ways, but when they step out into the road, they're doing it very carefully. I think probably a number of them have gotten killed over the years and they decided they didn't want to die. And we saw probably three or four dozen deer, uh, including several big stags. Uh, If you're a hunter, you would have wished that you had a gun and and a freezer, uh, the big stags. So, okay, so that's an Isle of Lewis deer. Then you got the Isle of Lewis sheep. The Isle of Lewis sheep, you know, they they just kind of grazing away. And they'll graze away just anywhere there's grass, especially if there's grass right next to the road. And sometimes they stick out their backsides and they wiggle them a little bit as you're driving close to them, uh, just to kind of threaten you a little bit. Uh, But they'll eat away. Sometimes they'll even kind of lounge on the road. I think they do that at night because it's kind of warm. But we saw an Isle of Lewis sheep literally do this, walked up to the road, went, and then cross the road. <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was a lot of fun. So, okay, so you got the Isle of Lewis deer, you got the Isle of Lewis sheep, and then the Isle of Lewis bunny rabbit. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Run, 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 run. run. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, oh, is there a car? I don't know. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Oh, oh, hey, hey, anybody else? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, 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 is there a car behind me? Oh, oh, I don't know which way to go. Oh, pfft. Unfortunately, many of them don't survive the experience. So which do you tend to be? An Isle of Lewis deer, an Isle of Lewis sheep, or an Isle of Lewis bunny rabbit? No matter which you are, Paul, I think, has a message for us today. And the message, if you wanted to summarize the whole thing of what Paul's saying in these two verses, He says, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. Now, the scientists know that how we pay attention completely shapes our reality. Whatever you look at will shape your perspective. We see this with some people. They go up to the Isle of Lewis. That's where we just came from, by the way, uh, on our, our time away, which was really lovely. We had some good weather and everything. Some people come to the Isle of Lewis and it comes to the Sabbath day, Sunday, when everything's closed, and they're like, ah, there's nothing to do. Everything's closed. uh, It's so boring here because everything's closed. And you're not paying attention because if you really pay attention, if you look at some of the better things of the Sabbath, wow, it's a day when everybody is taking it easy, even non-believers, It's a day where people are resting. It's a day where people are refusing to engage in trivial pursuits. Uh, It's a day when people have family meals together. It's a day for family, a day for God, a day for uh, our children. And it's a precious time. What you look at, how you look at it, shapes your perspective. If you walk around London... Uh, you could look at all the rubbish on the streets, and I know people who do that. I know people who go, go around, they look at the rubbish, and they say, oh, it's a dirty city. Cigarette butts and rubbish and trash, uh, uh, just everywhere. Uh, and, and it shapes the reality, and they don't like the city. I know spiritual people who walk around London and say, oh, that's a demon. Ah, there, that's a demon. Ah, that's a demon. Oh, the person walked by me, that demonized. Uh, and, uh, oh, yeah, oh, there's a demon. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a demon. Oh, you got a mayor who's a Muslim? Oh, that's really bad. Oh, that's terrible. London is falling apart. On the other hand, you can look around, and you can walk around and say, oh, there's a Christian. Oh, there's a church that's alive. Oh, there's a spot of spiritual heritage, a seed that's been planted in the ground that God is going to produce something out of. Oh, there's the place where a holy person was born. There's a place where a revival broke out. There's a place where lives were changed. And how you pay attention completely shapes your reality. It shapes your perspective. The same is true with people around you. I know people who come to a church and they'll say, Oh, there's a jerk. Ah, there's someone who's bitter. Oh, there's a lazy person. Oh, there's an unpleasant person. Oh, there's, there's, there's a, a person I don't like very much. Oh, that person smells a little bit. Oh, that person didn't know how to dress today. You know, and you have people who do that. And sometimes they're the pastor. Just saying. It's not me. Not me. And there are other people who walk around and say, there's a saint. Oh, there's a saint. There's somebody that Jesus loves. Wow, the gifts and the calling and skills in that person's life. That's amazing. Oh, this is a special person. This person has a call from God. Oh, this person is really wrestling against the demonic in their lives. This person is really struggling against sin and having a victory. This person believes the word of God. This person is walking by faith and not by sight. This person really knows how to worship. And those two people can be from the exact same church how you pay attention shapes everything that's why it's dangerous to watch too much news no matter what news provider you're you're watching or it's dangerous to spend too much time online looking at the news because news makes money generally by reporting something bad and even a lot of times on Facebook. One of the problems with Facebook and some other, uh, other, other kind of social networking things is when you're always looking at what other people have and what you don't have, and then you start saying, well, there's someone more blessed than me. Oh, that person's got a better life than me. Oh, this one is more blessed than me. Uh, this one's better off than I am. Now, and the truth is, you can always find somebody who's better off than you are and always find somebody who's worse off than you are how you pay attention determines your reality, determines how you experience life, determines whether you see Uh, something negative that happens as life-defeating and and a total setback that totally ruins your life or you see it as an opportunity to overcome and push forward and maybe God's closed one door but you know he's going to open another door and you just keep pounding on the doors until something happens, until something opens. And it's especially true about God. I know some people that talk all the time about what God hasn't done in their lives. And I know people who talk all the time about what God has done in their lives. Guess which one of those people have more faith? Guess which one of those people has a better experience of God? Guess which one of those people experiences more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, experiences more fruitfulness in ministry? And I'll give you a clue. It's not the person who talks about what God hasn't done. It's always the person who talks about what God has done. And so there's a challenge. There's a challenge whether we're a deer, a bunny, or a sheep. We got to learn how to pay attention. And you can't say, well, I'm just a bunny. You know, I've got to hurry around in fear all the time. You can't say, I'm a sheep. I don't have to pay attention to anything. You can't say that you're a deer. You have to pay attention. It's a discipline that we have to bring into our lives. So how do we do it? Especially, how do we do it as Christians? Because this is the key issue. How you pay attention will determine everything in your Christian life. How you pay attention will determine everything in your Christian life. I've seen this time and time and time again. And that's what Paul is trying to remind the people there in Philippi. And so he broadly tells us two things, how to think and what to do, because paying attention involves both our minds and our actions, what we think and what we do, how we focus our minds and how we act as Christians. And so he begins with the first, how do we focus our minds? He says, finally, brothers, and by the way, again, that Greek word brothers means brothers and sisters. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, or worthy of praise, think about and keep on thinking about these things. Paul is saying that we need to occupy our minds with certain things. Because how we occupy our minds will determine what we pay attention to. And we know this. If you look at, at, at movies and you look at the wrong kind of thing in movies and watch the wrong kind of movies, those movies will determine what you look at. How you look at people. How you interact with people. And so what does Paul say? He says then, we need to Think about whatever is true. We have a saying, all truth is God's truth. And that's true. Everything that's true in this world, everything that's not only factual and accurate, but represents truth, is from God. And it doesn't matter if it comes out of the mind of an atheist. All truth is God's truth. And so think about that which is true. It's interesting how the shape of a lot of debate has shifted in the last couple of years to fake news and untrue news and, and all these things. That People are trying to get us to question everything and to focus on that which is not true instead of that which is true. But Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, honor is something that gives worth, something that shows value. So whatever gives value, whatever gives worth, those are the things you can focus on. You're looking at a city like London. You can certainly focus on all the crime and all the broken lives and all the ugliness in this city but you can also focus on how this city has influenced the world and continues to influence the world. And the fact that London is the world city that if the Spirit of God falls in London in great power, that will go to the ends of the earth. That's honorable. And we focus on that. And that's true in people's lives too. I mean, that coworker you can focus on all the things that they don't do right, Or you can focus on the thing that makes them valuable, that that shows worth in their lives. So whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, just is something that takes wrong things and makes them right. That's what justice is all about. Justice is not about punishment. Justice is about making wrong things right. That's why we don't have a criminal justice system. We have a criminal punishment system. Because justice is about making wrong things right. So look in the world for where wrong things are being made right. And how do we know what's being made right? Is if it's in a line with God's Word. If it's in a line with the Bible. Whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever doesn't have any kind of contamination, filth, sinfulness in it. Think about that thing. Whatever is lovely, whatever is truly beautiful, really engages you. You know, you're driving around the Isle of Lewis, for example, and there's a lot of people who are very poor on the Isle of Lewis. And you can drive around from community to community, and you can see quite a number of derelict houses. The reason you see that is that it costs so much money to tear down a house that most people who build a new house don't have the resources to tear down the old house, so they just let it decay. Now, you can choose to focus on those decaying houses and other things that are decaying and say, oh, this is a terrible place. Or you can focus on the sunsets, you can focus on the mountains, you can focus on... Uh, the hardworking people, you can focus on the church, you can focus on a lot of things that are genuinely lovely and celebrate those things. And that's what Paul says, keep thinking about that which is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever we'd say, yeah, that's a job well done, that's really good, that's well done, that's expertly executed. Think about that. Whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise. And excellence, by the way, one of the ways that we define excellence is it's the best you can do with what you have at your disposal. The best you can do with what you have at your disposal. Now, so if you have an inexpensive guitar and you know two chords that you can play on that cheap guitar but you play those two chords very, very well, you can be excellent as a guitar player. On the other hand, you can be someone like Samuel or Joshua, you know, they're growing up and they're playing that, and and they've got better quality instruments, and so the standard for them is going to be different. But both are excellent. So whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise, these are the things that we need to think about and keep on thinking about. These are the things that we need to occupy our minds with. These are the things that we need to focus on because focusing on these things will bring joy. Focusing on these things will bring us a sense of hope. And focusing on these things will bring us closer to God. Because the thing in this is that God is in everything that is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. And so as we occupy our minds with these things, we begin to understand who God is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, even more clearly. And we actually draw ourselves closer to God's world. And we enable ourselves to see more clearly the world as God intended it to be. Not always the world as it is. So many times we wallow in the sinfulness of things that we never see the beauty of things. And Paul says, focus your mind, occupy your mind on these things. And it's a discipline. It is not something that comes naturally. Well, we got home yesterday, last night, rather late. Drove all the way down from Scotland yesterday. Not necessarily something I would recommend. Uh, Left the house where we were staying at five in the morning and got home about 9.30 uh, last night. Uh, So and we got home, and as many of you know, there's lots of works going on in our house. And they had accomplished a lot of things, but there's a lot of mess. Uh, And you're walking around, and you're looking at that. And the key thing, you just have to say, you know, it's not done yet. It's not done yet. It's not done yet. It's not done yet. Because if you start looking at all the stuff that's messed up and incomplete, you'll be dissatisfied, So you have to look at the good things that are happening. And so Paul tells us, you start with that. Occupy your mind in the right way. Focus your thoughts. And then he goes on and says, okay, there's stuff we have to do as well. If you're a Christian, it's not all about what you think in your mind. It's not just about how you occupy your mind. And by the way, again, as you occupy your mind with these things, ultimately they're directing you to Jesus. That's really the thing. We occupy our mind with the excellencies of Jesus. We occupy our mind with the beauty of God. We occupy our mind with the glory of the Holy Spirit. But there are things that we need to do. And Paul says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. What you have learned, received, heard, and seen in me, practice and keep on practicing these things. The first thing Paul says here is that we have to keep doing what we've learned to do. Here at City Temple, many of you know, we have always uh, done the Freedom in Christ discipleship course in some way, shape, or form. It's really the foundation of our discipleship and a foundational part of our ministry. It's essential for everybody who wants to become a member to have gone through the discipleship course and gone through the the personal steps to Freedom in Christ. It's very, very important. Uh, And over the years, uh, from time to time, I've encountered people, nobody here, let me look, make sure. Yeah, nobody here, uh, I, I've encountered people and they'll, they'll come up to me and they've been part of the church. You know, over the years, we've had hundreds of people who've been part of City Temple who God has had here for a year or two years. And then he sends them out to another country or place around the world. And so somebody will come up to me and I'll say, yeah, yeah, I, I know that. I know who I am in Christ. Uh, I, I understand about forgiveness. Uh, I've learned that, and I and I literally—I've never done this. I've been tempted to. Uh, I literally want to say, then why aren't you doing it? You think you know it, but you're not living it out. You say you understand forgiveness, but you're walking in bitterness and offense. Stop taking offense. Do it. Oh, I've had people say, well, I know how to pray. Well, pray! Get in the house of prayer and start praying. That's great that you know how to do it, but then get to do it. It would be a bit like me saying to you next Sunday, well, you guys, you know, I know how to preach. I'm not going to do it today, but I know how to do it. You understand. You understand. Now, I could get away with that probably one Sunday, but after six Sundays, people would be saying, Raya, Raya, could could you bring the message? (laughs) We're a little desperate here. And this is what Paul is saying. If you have truly learned this, then do it. And if you're not doing it, you haven't learned it. If you're not doing it, and he says, practice it and keep on practicing. That's the force of the Greek here. It's not, okay, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, now it's over. It's practice it and keep on practice it, practicing it. So whatever you have learned, keep doing it. Whatever you've learned, keep practicing it and do it on a day-by-day-by-day-by-day by day by day by day basis. Like forgiveness. We have to forgive every day. There's, hardly a day goes by when I don't have to forgive somebody of something. Repenting. That's something that most of us have to do every day, and frankly, probably most of us, including myself, do it more than once a day because we sin. Prayer, reading the Bible, all of these things, whatever you have learned, keep practicing it, Paul says. Pay attention to it. And then he goes on, whatever you've received. Now, this word received is a technical word. It means tradition that has been passed down. In a little while, we're going to be doing the Lord's Supper again, as we do on the first Sunday of each month generally. And this is a tradition that Jesus started that we're handing down. Now it's been done in different ways and with slightly different understandings by different churches over different times uh, throughout history. Uh, some churches are all bells and smells. Uh, some churches are really uh, earthy and, and, and uh Uh, not uh, technical at all. They just kind of break the bread and toss it out to people uh, and go on. And it's, it's been done in a lot of different ways, but we keep on doing it because it is something that we have received. And that's what Paul said to the Corinthians. He said, now what I've received, I'm passing it on to you. And so Paul says that we continue to do those sacred traditions that we've received. Now, not every tradition is from the Lord, and not every tradition is to be permanent. But if something has been passed down to us, we have a responsibility to carry it until the Lord tells us, don't do it anymore. And then Paul says, whatever you've heard. Uh, Again, over the years, I've seen a lot of people who go and say, oh, I went to this conference And there was such good teaching there. And I really loved the teaching. And I got this message and this message and this message. And two weeks later, it's all gone. And Paul's saying, if you've really heard it, if you have taken in the teaching, then practice it. It doesn't do any good if after today, everybody walks away and doesn't pay attention to their lives and how they live and how they think. If you've really heard the teaching today, you practice it, you practice it until you've learned it, and then you keep on practicing it. And then finally, Paul says, whatever you have seen in me. And this means that we need to find godly examples for us to follow. Now, in some case, you know, hopefully as a pastor, there are good things that I do that you say, hey, I want that in my life. I I want to learn from Rod in this area. I'm not saying that you do everything that I do, but there are certain things that you'll see in me that you think represent Christ and then the scriptures. And you say, I want to do that. And that's what Paul's saying. We need to surround ourselves, find people that we can do what they do. And not only people who are like preachers and teachers, but other believers that are around you. From time to time, it's very encouraging to me because I'll get people to come to me and say, oh, this person has really blessed me. And I won't embarrass anybody because there are a couple of people that are here. Uh, They'll say, oh, this person has really blessed me. I'm really learning from this person. And it's exciting to me when I hear two, three, four, five people mention the same person independently of each other because tells me we've got people in our church that we can learn from and we learn from one another I've been so encouraged by uh Raya and 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 Yovan and their faithfulness in the men's prayer on Wednesday nights and all the, the other men that have joined in I'm just really really encouraged by that and and, and it's examples examples to learn from and that's what Paul says. So we pay attention by how we occupy our minds, and we pay attention as Christians by practicing what we have learned, what we've received, what we have heard, and what we see in other people. Now, how do we know when we're doing this the right way? How do we know when we're really paying attention as God wants us to do? How can we, what, what's the sign? What's the indicator? Paul gives, it, give us, gives this to us very clearly here. He says, the God of peace will be with you. How do we know when we're occupying our minds in the right way? How do we know when we're practicing the things that we need to practice as Christians? Is that we will have God's peace over our lives. We will have a sense of God's shalom that comes over our hearts, that comes over our minds, that comes over our lives in Jesus Christ. And the good news about all of this is that we don't just occupy our minds in our own strength and we don't just practice the things in our own strength. God's grace is upon us. God knows that we're going to practice things and we're going to mess up. God knows that sometimes our minds are gonna wonder, and His grace is there for us. His grace is there for us. Jesus knows what it's like to be a human being. And so He's gracious toward us as we're doing these things. Just like a parent is with a child, as children are practicing to walk, for example. Parents don't berate their children. They don't attack their children. They encourage their children. And that's what God is doing for us. His grace is upon us. God has given us His Holy Spirit. And Jesus Himself is in us, is in union with us to enable us to occupy our minds and to practice the things that God has given us so that God's peace, God's shalom, will descend upon us. And as we're walking with that sense of peace of shalom over our lives, we know that we're paying attention. And at the same time, if you're in a place where you're not experiencing the peace of God, then Paul has just shown us what to do. Paul has just shown us how to move into that place. To think and keep on thinking about the things that Paul As mentioned, to practice the things that Paul has set before us to pay attention to who we are in Jesus Christ. And it's something we can do. And the peace of God is something that is for each and every one of us. And it's a promise that comes to us every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper. When we come to this table, it is an invitation to pay attention. It is an invitation for us to look at this bread and to look at this cup and know that Jesus is here with us. And as we eat the bread and as we drink the cup, to know that Jesus is in union inside of us. He's in union with us. His life is ours. Everything that He has as the Son of God is ours. And we take that in and we embrace that fully every time we eat the bread and drink the cup. It's an invitation to pay attention to Jesus who is here with us and living in us and living among us at this moment. And so today as we come to the table, and we'll invite everyone to come forward in a moment, as you come to the table and you eat this bread and you drink this cup, pay attention to Jesus. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for your encouragement to us. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the invitation to pay attention. I pray now that you would bless this bread and this cup that they would be for us the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, broken and shed on the cross. Lord, we do this not only to remember Jesus with our minds but to honor Jesus with our lives. We do this knowing that remembrance is more than simply calling to mind. But it is embracing fully everything Jesus has done for us. It's embracing fully our union with Christ in his death and resurrection. And we choose to do that again. We thank you for your presence at this table. And we pray, Lord God, that you would accept this as an act of worship to you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, bringing you honor and glory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.